Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex, joined today by the full cast of regulars for the first time in a long time. Doug Bowman, Matasis, Evan Watkins. What's going on, gentlemen? I guess four commitments in two days gets us back together during the summer. That it will do. That it will do. Mate, long time no talk, man. How you doing? Doing well. Just, you know, I texted you guys a little antsy to get back on here. I feel like we're always saying, you know, we're back, we're back. But it feels like, you know, as Doug mentioned, a lot of momentum right now with the program. So hopefully we, uh, you with know, the make what? With the program there you go <laughs> thanks for the correction yeah <laughs> so hopefully hopefully we'll be uh we'll be a bit more consistent throughout the summer heading into the season i will tell people there's no way we could be any less consistent <laughs> so with that being said consistency true consistency is at least on the horizon improved consistency is a given at this point yeah, I'm calling my shot. We're there. Like it, ha- it has to be. Every other week from here on out until football season where it becomes every week, if not twice. How does that sound, Evan Watkins? Hey, whatever you all want to do. When I'm available, I got you. And we'll get some recruiting guests on here. We got one coming up uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Let me oh, the recru- we'll record it tomorrow. Yeah. The recruiting guests have been a godsend here in the year 2023 for us. So much interesting conversations, interesting content. Who are we talking and, uh, to tomorrow? Maybe a couple more can, uh, you know, be brought here down the pipe. As, as Doug mentioned, four commitments in two days. I see you guys out there on the boards, generally scouring the internet all season long. Where are the four stars? Where are the four <laughs> stars? Uh, hey, you know what? When it rains, it pours. Gabriel Williams, the linebacker out of Laurel, Maryland. Marcellus Barnes Jr. The corner based out of Tennessee. On top of that, some high three stars as well. Aiden Lynch, 87 overall ranking on the offensive line. They add Andrew Hamchuk as well. I don't think I've seen more general positivity out of this fan base, and really out of this program since at least before Virginia Tech took the field against Old Dominion last year. Was this a long time coming? Were you surprised with your noses on the inside of all this stuff? How, how does this play out? And, you, you know, where where do we go from here? Uh, I mean, I, I was not overly shocked, um, especially with, with three of them. You know, I, I had a suspicion about gabriel williams going into the weekend um a a pretty big hunch and then you know we knew handchuck was coming um that one was kind of a a given that we were really really prepared uh for that one and aiden lynch was one that uh for anybody that read my recruiting previews um the big news was that he canceled his Georgia official visit which was supposed to happen after he visited Virginia Tech. That was the big question for me is would Georgia take him? And it's not a knock on him as a player, that's where Georgia is as a program. Uh would they be able to to take him? Uh and it looked like, you know, from what we heard there was just some concern about if they would have room, if they wouldn't have room. Um and they mutually just decided not to take that official. So 
when that one came down to uh, Virginia Tech and Vanderbilt, I felt really good about the Hokies there. So, you know, out of those three, I wasn't overly surprised. Barnes was one that I said going into the week, we need to let this play out because he was not uh, prepared to make a decision. He wasn't thinking about it. He wasn't uh, – it really wasn't on his his mind to make a commitment during his visit. But we started to hear Saturday night that things were changing um, and that he was really interested in Virginia Tech. And this, this visit might shut it down for him. He had a few questions he wanted to ask. Uh, and then he really might in leave, leave campus committed. So, you know, I got some of that information, posted some of that on the board. Um, ended up doing a, uh, a a crystal ball for him, trying to build some hype. But this was one that Virginia Tech's coaches clearly sold and closed in the meeting room before he left campus. He was not going into the visit. He was going to visit Mississippi, or um, I'm sorry, Michigan State. He was going to visit Baylor. He was going to visit Florida State. Um, he had some other schools that he was looking at visiting in the fall. And then, you know, the dominoes fell how they fell. He met with the staff, uh, especially uh, Coach Cheetah, Coach Pride. They they answered a lot of questions for him, and he was ready to make that decision and commit to the Hokies before leaving campus. So, you know, those those four, uh, you know, those were really good gets for the Hokies. Uh, this was one of two really big weekends, official visit weekends for them. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to get a four-star in the boat that will literally recruit anyone and everyone as vocal as possible on Twitter. Um, he's doing even more behind the scenes. Gabe Williams is maybe one of the more relentless recruiters we've uh, we've seen. Um, I've talked about this on here and ESPN Blacksburg and some other podcasts and shows that I've been on that, um, you know, last year it was all about watching Braylon Johnson. Where was he going to go? Who was he going to bring with him? This year, it's Gabe. Gabe is going to be that guy that's going to bring guys with him. He's the guy that when you get him on campus, recruits will flock to him, natural type of leader, really charismatic, um, and, and people want to play with him. They want to they want to be around him. They want to talk to him. Um, you know, I think he's FaceTimed with more, more recruits than the staff has in the last 48 hours. So, you know, I think good things are coming there, uh, and, and we'll just see how this – his – his personal crusade and the the coaches uh, recruiting board continues to evolve a huge weekend coming up in about two weeks, but it was a great weekend for the Hokies. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of that run that they went on on. I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but uh, around the Demetrius Davis commitment where there was just a lot of optimism and uh, momentum, I would say going in, but obviously that one didn't pan out. And the, who, who was, who was that? Who was Demetrius that? Davis doesn't ring a bell. uh there's a lot of differences between that scenario and this scenario um that that i that i don't think i mean number one being that gabe williams is from right up the road in maryland um he's the kind of guy that i think you need to get at at this time of the year um june is traditionally a big recruiting month coming up you know guys want to make their commitment before the season starts so you're getting down into crunch time um and getting a guy that's as enthusiastic and um <laughs> optimistic as him is is definitely a good place to start your class um i, I think with belfort belfort at at quarterback too you know those are two kind of linchpin type um players that you can really use to 
recruit recruit other people over the next six months. So uh, definitely, you know, this is a this is a program that has not landed a lot of four star guys in recent years, um, and they've got to start somewhere. So <laughs> two two is pretty good. Um, definitely got to keep number one, keep them in the boat until December. Uh, you know, never know what's going to happen with recruiting, and I think particularly with a season coming up that nobody's really sure which way it's going to go. Um, something to keep an eye on there. But I mean, if Virginia tech cannot recruit linebackers under Brent Pry, they're going to be, if Virginia tech can't recruit really good linebackers under, under Brent Pry, then, you know, it's a, that's a problem. And the Brent Pry era is not going to work. So the fact that they were able to close on one of the best linebackers in the region and in the footprint, um, and then even go into Tennessee to land a, a defensive back who, like Evan said, wasn't planning on committing. And, you know, this is, you know, Tech brought in, what, five defensive backs in the last class. So it's not like they had a boatload of playing time to to particularly entice him with. So I think those are two really good recruiting jobs. Um, and, then, and then obviously the defensive tackle is a uh, massive glaring hole that Virginia Tech has to address both on the recruiting trail this year, but then also in the portal for 2024. So that was, that was another good get when you're talking about um, a position that is that big of need. So looking at players of this caliber, right? Like realistically speaking on the very high three-star four-star front, you know, whether it be this season or the next two, three seasons, how many players of this caliber should Virginia Tech expect to be bringing in? Essentially, like, what's the realistic bar for success in terms of bringing in players of that caliber, Evan? You know, a lot of that has to do with the footprint. Um, and every year it, it kind of goes up, it goes down. Um, I think realistically you could say that especially with the recruit, recruiting inflation. There's more four stars now than ever. Um, I think you should be looking at a realistic target of five plus a class. Will Virginia Tech get back to that? They're going to have to continue to uh, continue to cultivate some relationships and they're going to have to start turning some stuff around on the field. But one of the big things that Tech has historically done when they've gotten a lot of four star uh, prospects is they've gotten these guys that are really vocal about about playing at Virginia Tech and telling their friends and recruiting their friends and trying to get them in. You have guys like Kendall, who was a five-star, recruiting other people. You had Tim Settle recruiting other people. You had Bucky recruiting other people. When you get guys like that that really want to help build the brand for the coaches and make the job that much easier, I, I think it's huge, and you can tell what's coming. You know, I think uh, – Davey has done a lot of work in the background and I don't want to put it, take anything away from Davey Belfort because I think he is close enough where I think he could end up a four-star in the composite uh, when things are all said and done this year. I think there's um, a few of them that are right there that could possibly move up so far off the commit list. Um, he's done a great job behind the scenes uh, and really being vocal, but I think Gabe has kind of publicized it. He's clearly living off the hype of it, which is amazing for him to do. You know, you're a 16 year old kid. Go out and 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 get the uh, get the recognition that you that you really deserve. You know, go out there and and, and do all of this uh, on social media. So, 
you know, I think, I think Virginia tech needs to shoot for five plus. And the next thing that they need to do, and we've talked about this before is one, they need to raise their recruiting average. The more four stars you get, that clearly will, will, will raise. But if they can be in that 87 to 88 range as the next foundation uh, of the average recruit class of recruiting class, uh, I think that that's going to really start to bring the floor of the program up. There will always be misses. There will always be guys that outplay their evaluation. There will be guys that bust that are highly ranked players, um, you know, and all that kind of will will somehow equal out. But you have to raise the floor of the program. I think that that is uh, a way to do it quickly is to raise that average. And then I think Virginia Tech needs to really mine the 11 to 20 range in state. Frank Beamer did it with great success. Um, if you can get those guys that, that maybe they're not the top 10 guys in the state, they're not the guys that you're competing against Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, and Michigan for, but they're guys you're complete, you're competing against maybe uh, Kentucky. Um, maybe you got, you know, some guys that have Rutgers, Maryland, West Virginia, um, maybe even some Miami offers, things like that. But that middle of the road, that meet right there will help to bring the floor up of the program as well. So I'll say five as the next step in the foundation. Ideally, you want to see that go up. Fuente could land seven. Beamer landed seven, eight, nine, I believe, at some time, at some points in their career. So I think you can go up from there. But five is a good foundational piece. Virginia Tech has never landed in the recruiting rankings era since. So that's what, 2000, I think, was the first year um, that it really went broadly. But they've never landed more than seven. They landed... For all my research, I got them at nine in 1996. If you want to go back and and trust those recruiting rankings, but um, I said nine. Go nine. Seven, seven, seven is is the is the recent high ceiling. Fuente hit it twice. Um, they hit it right after the national championship season in 2001. So like that's the high watermark, and it feels like Virginia Tech has to go above it to at this at in this day and age to achieve kind of where they want to be as a consistent contender. Um, certainly have not been there recently. Um, one, one, three, and two over the last four years. So um, I, I I agree with Evan that five is a reasonable goal to start to turn the program around at, on a broader scale, but like they need to consistently be landing seven, eight, nine um, guys. Uh, to develop the depth that you know you, you need at this day and age and and then i think evan kind of hit the nail on the head he mentioned like there's more four stars than there have ever been there's more three stars than there have ever been and there's a big difference between like you know your bottom half three stars and your top half of three stars so the more they can do at the top of that three star list where they're recruiting against you know those mid-level programs that you know NC State and UVA and Boston College and those kind of mid-level P5 programs that they just have to be flat out better than on the field consistently. That's what you do at the top of the three-star rankings. Um, once you get into seven, eight, nine, four stars, now you're talking about a, you know, a 2000s level Virginia Tech contender. I think you also have to now average in transfer portal too, because it's not necessarily that landing five you know landing five four stars would be a is 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 a great kind of baseline to look at but if you can land you know a couple guys from the transfer portal that have that same caliber 
of potential. Maybe they're a younger guy that has outplayed their ranking and played up. Maybe they're a transfer four-star guy like Ali Jennings or Derek Canteen just got his four-star from uh, as a as a transfer from 24-7 or a guy that maybe was a four-star back, uh, you know, but when he committed or initially like a guy like Antoine Powell, those type of guys can continue to not only build the, the build up the floor of the program, but can give you the opportunity to build that depth behind it. So, you know, Virginia Tech has, has uh, you know, the game has changed from where Frank Beamer took Virginia Tech, but I think some of those skill sets can still be utilized and cultivated if you can get the right players in that are willing to marinate for a year. They're willing uh, to maybe learn a little bit and 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 be a rotational guy before being a starter right away. And then you can start to, you know, get those four-star guys in Maybe a guy like a, you know, like a Tim Settle was come in and 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 probably gonna play a little bit. Ricky Walker was the same way, play a little bit, then then play a little bit more, um, you know, and build your career that way, as opposed to like a, you know, a Kendall Fuller comes in day one, true as a starter, as a true freshman. Um, obviously you want those kind of guys, but if you can backfill with the transfer portal, Virginia Tech's not landing a Kendall Fuller right now. So you got to bring in some of those guys from the transfer portal that will give you an opportunity to groom your high school recruits. Uh, to be at a a better position when they do get a chance to get on the field. Evan, is the momentum as palpable on the ground as it seems to be on the internet? And then I guess, sidebar question, to what degree is the internet the ground when you're dealing with 17-year-old, 16-year-old kids in the year 2023? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, you know, the recruiting recruiting is always interesting because – it always it always changes. You have some cycles where kids will love the attention. They'll all be about Twitter and Instagram. They're all about having edit videos made of them working out. Then you'll have guys, you know, you'll have cycles where um, people are really quiet about their recruitment. They don't like to publicize a whole lot. Uh, so it kind of just kind of goes back and forth. But we knew, I, I think I wrote a story, you know, going into the first official visit weekend, uh, three things I think, three things I know. And one of the things I knew was June was going to be crazy. It always is. It doesn't matter what cycle it is. It doesn't matter how many commitments you have. June is always going to be a, a crazy time for recruiting. So, you know, you come out of the first uh, official visit weekend, you come out with two commits. One maybe just a guy who hadn't announced yet waiting to get into school uh, and Clayton Frady wasn't really part of the weekend, but you get his commitment, you get Quentin Reddish uh, to go, to go public uh, after that visit. Then you come to this weekend, you get four. Now this coming weekend's a little different. It's a big man showcase. It's a seven on seven weekend, things like that. Heading into a huge weekend next weekend. I haven't even, uh, we haven't even released all of the names yet. I'm hearing there's going to be at least 20, maybe more official visitors in Blacksburg on the final weekend. That's where you make a huge push. You try to continue to build out this class. Uh, and then you look forward to the future. You want to have 70% of your class locked up before your season starts because you don't want to be you don't want to be recruiting uh, and doing official visits for 2024s and doing all of that during the season. You want to have your guys locked in so that you can recruit and evaluate during the season, bring in guys on official visits in December, lock up your class, focus on transfers or maybe late ads in February. Um, so, you know, right now the momentum is huge for Virginia Tech. It's already been it was swinging last week. 
it's it's swung even further now. Gabe is uh is definitely pushing that a lot on social media. But you know, inside the program too, the the momentum is shifting. They're landing guys of higher caliber. They're landing guys with higher offer lists. They're landing guys that are being vocal about recruiting. Now the the thing will be can they continue that momentum? Can they carry that through for the next two weeks? This next two weeks is huge for Virginia Tech to get guys on campus this week for the 707 and the the big man uh, camps, and then next weekend with a huge official visit weekend at the end of the month. So these are your next next you know 14 days are really big for keeping that momentum with the Hokies. Now, here's a question because I know that everyone at home is saying who's next. Like, that's just the nature of the beast. In the mind of Evan, Doug, and Matei, the recent commitments that have come in help increase the chances of bringing in what's target. The chain reaction most benefits Virginia Tech's chances of getting which priority target. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the ones that I'm I'm still looking for, and I put in crystal ball for him after his visit to Tech last weekend, um, I think Chance Wiggins. I think, um, you know, Chance is a guy came out of his official visit to Virginia Tech loving the Hokies uh, and, and pretty much loving everything about them. Um, and he has mentioned, he already set a date. He came out of his visit with Tech and set a date uh, and took some other visits. I think this really helps. I think getting guys like Gabe really help because they're guys that are pushing him and and promoting him all over social media. So I think Virginia Tech's the clear leader for him. It's felt that way for a long time. Uh, I feel good about my prediction for him. And I think that this is something that if he had questions, I think landing some higher caliber guys that are out there kind of begging him on pandering to him on social media to uh, to commit, I think that that's only going to help him make that decision. So I, I suppose that, you know, we'll put the recruiting topic to bed. Doug, I know this is an issue near and dear to your heart, so I, I want oh boy. to give you the start on this one. <laughs> okay. Is this about Nebraska? No, we'll get <laughs> or, to that at the end. Or Duke or Kansas? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Though Duke baseball did screw me on a bet. Come on, couldn't beat UVA? Beat them on Friday? Hey, maybe they can beat them on Saturday? No. Regardless, the times for the first few games have oh, been released. This is right up my alley. There has been a bit of uproar online. Some positive, a lot of negative about the way that this is shaping out. For you, Doug Bowman, not just Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, <laughs> but fan of Virginia Tech. You know, what does this schedule say not just about how we're going to have to plan our Saturdays in the fall, but also broader, big picture thing. Uh, I was just thinking about this as we were talking about the recruiting, but I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but when you look at what just happened and what Virginia Tech, it sounds like from what Evan is saying, if you can read between the tea leaves, that Virginia Tech should close June pretty strong here um, with another official visit weekend. And and then you get very quickly into August and the season, and you know you look at September as far as like um, 
turning recruiting momentum into like actual on-field success momentum, which inevitably leads to more recruiting momentum and that kind of thing. Like I, I like September is huge for, for Brent, for the Brent Pry era and what he's trying to do with this class. Um, if they can get off to a decent above average, good start, you know, not <laughs> certainly beating ODU week one at eight o'clock. Um, on ACC Network game of the week um, would would be a good start in leading into that Purdue game of week two. Um, I, I just think that like they have to show they have to follow up whatever momentum they build through the summer on the recruiting trail. They have they have to um, they have to carry it over on the field at least through September to to kind of generate that belief and um, all that they've been selling over the um, over the summer. So. I think that's something it's a doable schedule by by any um by any stretch of the imagination. ODU's a winnable game, Purdue. They went to the Big Ten title last year, but um got a new coach, so we'll see what happens there. That's a winnable game. Rutgers, Marshall, same thing. Like all these are decently winnable but toss up y games for Jane Tech. Um so so we'll see how it goes. I I wasn't surprised by the old Dominion eight o'clock kick if you look around at the rest of the um the the, the ac slate acc slate that week particularly with them going thursday to monday um on that first weekend like that was that's really the i think it's the only other e5 even g5 game that they had to stick at that eight o'clock window um purdue at noon is a you know nooners are nooners are decent um i, I you know, three thirty is definitely the best kickoff time for for any college football game. But um, you know, you'll you'll take what you can get. So I think those first two weeks give you a, um, quite a diversity of kickoff turn times between eight o'clock and noon um, for various tailgating options, etc. So um, it should be an interesting interesting start to the season there. I'll ask you this, Doug. I was just thinking about this. <laughs> Last season was the first season in like. 20 years or something like that, maybe more, that Virginia Tech was never ranked any point during the season. Right now, today, will Virginia Tech ever get ranked this year? <laughs> or will they lose to Old Dominion in the first game and really eliminate the chances of that? I don't I don't think they'll be ranked this year. Um I think it would take a four-no start for them to to get ranked. Um this first three games are even if they go three and zero against Old Dominion, Purdue, and Rutgers, like none of those wins are impressive enough to lift them from where they'll probably probably start in the eyes of the voters. So, um, I think it gets a little difficult once when you get into that Pittsburgh, Florida State, Wake Forest stretch. That'll probably keep them on the outside looking in for for the season, but that doesn't mean they can't make progress and all that stuff. So. Um, I did. I did want to ask Evan a question. If I can jump in here, we were talking about those, um, talking about those kickoff times. Eight o'clock, Old Dominion, noon, Purdue are kind of the extremes of what's available on Saturday. How do how does an eight o'clock kick versus a twelve o'clock kick kind of affect recruiting and who's able to make it? You know, you know on one hand, it's an early kick on sat or for Purdue which is tough to get up in the morning on that early Saturday morning and get up there in time. And then it's kind of the reverse at eight when it, you're, you know, getting out at 11 o'clock. Yeah. You know, um, 
uh, historically, the, the night game is going to be easier to recruit to um, because as it's a few different reasons for Virginia Tech. One is that, you know, with with the team and the coaches not staying on campus the night before, it makes getting time with the coaching staff really condensed uh, when you have a noon game. Because then not only do the recruits have to get there for the noon game, if they want to get there to see Pry and the, the coaches, they better be at the facility by like 9 a.m., right? Be able to, to actually see the coaches, have a little food, interact, get on the field for the warm-ups, go through everything, get to inner Sandman, do all of that. Like to do everything, you need to be ready and there, fight traffic, all that, probably 9, 9.30. Whereas if you have an 8 o'clock kick, you can take a little bit more of a leisure time to get there. Um, so you don't have to get your, you know, I don't have teenagers yet, but getting kids up early is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, I imagine it's, it gets, it just harder as, as kids get older. Um, so not only do you have to deal with that, uh, with night games, you have a longer time period with the coaching staff, you know, they, they aren't going to rush from hotel Roanoke to Blacksburg to get ready for a kickoff and have like, you know, 20 minutes for recruiting. They got half a day, you know, by the time they get to campus and they do the, the, you know, pry and the coaches can come in and, and meet with the recruits and do all of that well before uh, the game. Also just the environment of a night game is much better. Um, so I think it's easier to recruit to night games than it is for uh, the early games. Now for, for me, as a uh, as a credentialed member of the media, wow! I would much rather have that two to three o'clock game. That is my bread and butter because I can day trip it. I can drive the four and a half five hours, get there in time, get some food, tailgate a little bit if I want to, get to the stadium, write everything I need to write, watch the game, cover the post game, get in my car and be home and in my bed before midnight. That's kind of like my bread and butter. But for recruiting, night games all the way, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, anything around there, fireworks, you know, put on a show. That's what recruiting is. Uh, so it's much easier to recruit at the uh, the extreme night games. And a couple notes here. Number one, in, in terms of the actual, you know, the ins and outs and the fundamentals of these recruiting visits, I highly encourage uh, anyone who's interested in that to go back into our archives, if you haven't already listened to the uh, interview with Mike Villagrana and the recruiting staff, a lot of really good insights into Great plug out of how the sausage is made. There. Great plug. Wow. Uh, on a, the links, baby. <laughs> on a side note, uh, once again, really as a fan, love, love that three o'clock time. You wake up in the morning, first thing, maybe go out to the river course, hit a few balls. You come back. If you're me, you're doing a live pregame show from Hokie House. Mosey on into the parking lot. See your friends. Go into the game. After the game, ample time, but not too much time. Relive the dream at the bars for a couple hours. Pack it up. You're back in the hotel there room. There is no so. way that you play golf, do a pregame show, tailgate, go to the game, and then go anywhere but home after that. Dude, I'm an animal. I don't know what to tell you. There's no way. No, no. I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the most glorious. I'll tell you the most glorious setup. I got it. I got a chance to live it for for uh, a few weeks. Granted, the day I got there, Frank Beamer retired, so I had to work that whole time. But (laughs) I was uh, fall in Hawaii, 
is where it's at. Because of the time difference, you wake up, you watch college game day with your breakfast. You watch the noon games, the noon games here, uh, you know, over there, you're you're getting ready for kickoff by the time you're you're done with your eggs. You can watch football all day long. You can end it with the Hawaii night game and still have time to go out and enjoy your day. You can literally watch a full day of college football and not be like at two in the morning, straining your eyes, trying to watch the end of, you know, the, the Hawaii, Hawaii versus San Jose Hawaii. State. Yeah. You, you're not, you're not straining your eyes. That game kicked off at 6 PM. It's over by 10. You could still go out and do what you want to do. You can have, you, you can have all your meals while you're watching games. It's the life. You should try to do it, but not during football season where you're going to take away from your VT scoop riding, Doug. We need your previews. <laughs> yeah, enough vacations for you, Doug. Jeez. I mean, the man has been in every corner of God's green earth this year. And it's yeah, I don't a, think we're making it to Hawaii. Yeah. A lot of putting a lot of pressure on Matei to churn out that content. I just don't know if he's lived up to expectations in that regard. Speaking of Matei, Matei had to drop off due to audio issues. You guys will hear from him next time around. Hopefully that's figured out. Uh, I guess last note I wanted to touch on here because we didn't get the chance to talk about it uh, during our extended absence here. Conference realignment, you know, the group of ACC schools kind of going off on their own. Uh, didn't seem like everyone was on the same page at those athletic director meetings, at least publicly. They're showing a unified front uh, privately. They're showing big checks to lawyers to see them out of the ACC, especially for you know, you'd have to expect teams like Florida State. The good news for Virginia Tech fans is at least they were kind of included in that conversation. It's not a for sure one-way ticket to the American Athletic Conference. With that being said, and I say this, and I feel like maybe I'm biased growing up the son of a Duke alum and then attending Virginia Tech. I love the ACC as an institution. I don't want to see it fail. It is, in my opinion, that Virginia Tech should focus on being able to compete in the ACC uh, before we start talking about SEC, uh, Big 12, dreams of that nature. I'd like to see where you guys are at in that regard, can, both can in real, terms of reality and in terms of you know what the best possible case scenario is. Real quick, for the people who didn't see this, because it's only me and Andrew that did, when you mentioned this, Doug literally shifted in his seat forward into gamer mode because he's so excited to talk about this. This is this is good stuff. This is what this is what June is made for. So <laughs> you know, for for me, I think uh unlike you, Andrew, I don't have I don't have ties to the ACC. I say in the 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 selfish me that wants to 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 cover some fun games, give me the SEC and the sunshine and the heat all day long. Other rather than going to Rutgers, sixteen nil losses and, to Georgia. <laughs> hey, you know at least I'd be comfortable <laughs> than going to like Michigan State and Rutgers and I, yeah, I don't. I, that's not for me. I think I think as an institution, though, I think Virginia Tech is built to be a Big Ten type of school. They are built, uh, the footprint of it that just keeps expanding president, uh, having big 10 ties, um, the, you know, the, the research side of the university is massive. 
always striving to get that AAU, um, opening up the med school uh, there. And they just continue, the school continues to grow at such a fast pace. And the research side of it is so big. The Big Ten makes perfect sense for Virginia Tech from an from a academic school side of the house. Athletically, a lot of people are going to lean toward the SEC. Um, I think all this boils down to, and, and Doug probably has the same mindset, is this all comes down to TV revenue. Like, really, that's the big thing, the TV market. How big is the Virginia Tech market, and is it big enough for one of those two conferences to say, we need to add you? And in my personal opinion, you need those two pro or those two conferences to expand. I, I think if you're going to expand to two teams each, I don't think Virginia Tech gets in. If you expand to maybe four teams each, I could see Virginia Tech being a program that's very enticing to either one of them, especially if the Big Ten really wants to stick with that the AAU isn't uh, a, a hard line in the sand to get in, um, even though it seems like that might just be a talking point more so than anything. But, you know, I think uh, I think you're, that each conference is going to have to expand to look at Virginia and say, we want the Virginia market and the best way to get it is Virginia Tech. So, you know, I, I think this thing could go a few different ways, but I think Virginia Tech's positioned well if there is a big realignment coming. Yeah, I think Evan hit the hit the nail on the head, covered it pretty well. Uh, Virginia Tech is not at the top of the list of ACC teams that either the Big Ten or the SEC would line up and, and extend an offer to if they decided they were going to go that way. Um, Clemson, Florida State, UNC, Miami, maybe, you know, ESPN's Pete, Pete Thamel was throwing UVA out there, UVA and UNC as the big targets in the next round. Um, that's That's largely... Due to their, I would I would guess their academic reputation and alignment with the Big Ten, plus like Evan said, the geographic gap right now between the Big Ten and the SEC is Virginia and North Carolina, which means maybe those two programs are are indeed at the front of the line. But if there's further expansion beyond, we're just going to add two teams to go to. Does that make it eighteen for the SEC or eighteen for both? You know the if they go to 20 or something like that, you start to feel a little bit better about Virginia tech. Um, it, it is, uh, incredibly important for Virginia tech to get really good at football really quickly. Um, Evan, Evan touched on, it's all about TV ratings and eyeballs that you can draw and how many millions of eyeballs you can draw. Um, right now, Virginia tech's not drawing cause they're not any good except when they play Clemson, Florida state, Miami, Etc. They have to be good enough to make those games. You know, they play Clemson next year. They play Florida State in 2025. They play Miami and Clemson in 2026. I don't know if it gets to that point or if this all hangs out in the balance for three more years. But like Virginia Tech has to be good enough to kind of draw on their own to really um, convince either conference that when they do want to expand the pie so to speak that that virginia tech is the right choice that's going to deliver the most value because you know the money in those the money in those conferences is getting so big per school that it's like it kind of feels like they're ham like limiting themselves because there's just not that many programs left that are going to increase 
that per school payout that they value so much and that drives all this thing. So you've got to be a good program that plays a lot of big time games and draws big time ratings. Um, so like clock's ticking on a turnaround. Like I think if Virginia Tech can have a good year this year and you know, they get Clemson at home um next year and North Carolina on the road, like those could be huge games. I think it's um, you know, that could be you know, getting good at the right time could be just like monumental for this. Um, you know, I, you know, Andrew was talking about the ACC as a whole. I, I just can't see it surviving for years and years and years. Um, there's just too much quote unquote dead weight at the bottom of the league that doesn't deliver value in terms of money that is going to maintain this gap. ESPN has no business purpose whatsoever to even think about coming to the ACC's aid. Um, so it's just like, it's like a ticking time bomb. It feels like before somebody for the risk reward and all that stuff tilts in the favor of, you know, we're leaving. So I guess until then you, you hope that Virginia tech gets really good at football really quickly. And if they can do that, I mean, you know, top 20 Virginia tech program probably draws some eyeballs to make it interesting. It'll be sad to see the ACC go. It'll be sad to see the ACC go. All right, my final question here, recently announced, early November, city, Charlotte, North Carolina. I was going to ask you about this. (laughs) Caitlin Clark coming to town to take on none other than Liz Kitley, Georgia Amor, the Virginia Tech Hokies on the women's basketball court. It'll be a, a doubleheader. Back-to-back days, the men's side playing the next day as well. Doug Bowman, do I need to save a spot on my couch for you? <laughs> uh, what is that, like November 8th and 9th? Something like that, yeah. It would be better if it was a, like Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, both day, both Quit games job, on Saturday. Dude. Like, it is a, I mean, it's a great setup for two nights. Thursday night women's game, Friday night men's game, I think, against... South Carolina too, who they've got to be more represented in Charlotte than Tech, right? Hundred yeah. percent. Tech is very well represented, but South Carolina and Clemson are the primarily represented school. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to make it for that one for you. You might have to invite somebody else. He Evan? pulled the dates straight out of the air, like he didn't know when the game was coming. <laughs> Doug will be there. He'll be. He's got to get permission. He'll be there though. That's what I like to hear. Can we get a couple press passes? I can probably hook you up. I'm sure if we applied, we would get them. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we uh, jump off? Evan, I know we got an interview tomorrow, so I'll be talking to you soon. Doug, Who are we talking to tomorrow? It's a surprise. It's a surprise. They keep the guests on their toes. Gotta I got one. That. That's why they got to hit that subscribe button, right? I got one last question for Evan. Will the numbers work out? Always. Always. That's it. Beautifully said. (laughs) All right, folks, BT Scoop, 24-7 Sports, inside the tunnel. Thanks for listening. A lot of great podcast content coming your way. I know we always say that. The closer you are to the fall, the more likely that statement's true. 81 days until September 2nd. Doug is really pulling the numbers just (laughs) right out. Just right out. Uh, human excel excel spreadsheet over there 
Hey, that's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Uh, so yeah, rate, review, subscribe. As always, get that VIP subscription. We'll be back very soon. More interview content coming your way. We got an interview tomorrow. I'm going to double pad it with another interview that has yet to be released due to the audio issues that you all hate. I'll cut out the audio issues, splice them together. You don't want to miss it. Until then, folks, enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, go Hokies.